Thank you for joining us on the sermon podcast for Mars Hill Cumberland Presbyterian Church. We love being able to distribute our sermons in this format, but we would love it even more if you could join us in person at 5208 Crow Mountain Road in Russellville, Arkansas, or online at the Mars Hill Cumberland Presbyterian Church Facebook page. We have Sunday school classes at 9 a.m. with a worship service right after at 10 a.m. Let's now prepare our hearts to hear a message from God's Word. There's nothing, I have nothing of any worth to say. Uh, 
I'm, I'm flesh and bones is filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a there's a quote by Augustine, or it's a paraphrase of a quote he said uh, in some of his writings, and, and he said, Lord, the only thing good in me is you. The rest is my fault. And so, so I, I hope that's what comes out tonight. But uh, so looking at John 19, and, and I'm going to, I don't typically do this. I, I usually stay in a text and just and pull everything I can out of it. But I'm going to jump around even more so than normal. But when one reads the Gospels and surveys the life of Jesus, one thing that you're likely to notice, Jesus never wasted any time and he never wasted any words. Right. See, Jesus said himself, he said, every idle word that we speak, we're going to have to give an account. Right. And, and so Jesus... He always had an intention with what he did. And he, this is highlighted in the book of Mark. If you read the book of Mark, everything that he does, you know, as soon as he does it, it says straightway or immediately, depending on what translation you read. He said, he, he did this, then he went here, and he went here, and he went here. You didn't see him after he fed the 5,000 say, you know what, man, that was hard. I need a break. Now, he would go off to pray. But no, he, he, didn't, he didn't go off to do nothing. That makes sense. And so, uh, he, he didn't take a break after feeding the 5,000. He didn't need some time to himself after feeding the multitudes. And He did everything with an intense intentionality. And in John 5.17, he says this, when they asked him, why are you doing stuff on Sunday? Or uh, Saturday then, it was their Sabbath. He said, why are y'all doing stuff on the Sabbath? He said, my father works, I work. That's what he said. He said, my father works and I work. And so we can learn a lesson from that. Because, listen, we live in a day of time. And we, we feel our, our focus, our goals of what we can do for ourselves or how we can take a break, how we can take it easy. we got to have a vacation. we got to have this. we got to have that. And the thing is, we're probably least intentional about our faith a lot of times. I've seen people... Um, the Gosh, I hate this, but I see this all the time at home. It's probably the same thing here. When it gets softball, baseball season, there's going to be people not in church because they're going to take their kids to play travel ball somewhere. And, and, and I, I know people that that in Tennessee, when the Titans start playing, they don't go to church because they go to the Titans ball games. Or, or the, I just don't feel like going. That's You hear that a lot of times. I, I used to, well, I still do. I listen to Adrian Rogers a whole lot and he was talking about one morning he was laying in bed, him and his wife was, and it was on a Sunday morning, and he heard this big loud clap of thunder, and, and his wife, her, her name is Joyce, she said, what was that? And he said, that's 10,000 Baptists rolling over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so anything that we can use to get out of assembling together, uh, uh, doing things for the Lord, because we got to do things on our own time, so to speak. But what we see with Jesus Christ, everything that he did was intentional. And, and I want us to look at that we got to put a lot more effort into things of our faith. In the way we live for Christ Jesus. And so I said all that to say every word of Christ, every word written in Scripture, period, is important. And we, can, we don't have the time tonight to look at all the words of Jesus. But what I want to look at. This has been on my mind to look at and, and, and all the things that he said from the cross. So all four Gospels got him saying some things from the cross. And, and so one thing that I've learned, and he mentioned I preach expositorily, 
I, I spent oh, I spent a year preaching through the book of First Peter. And one thing as I learned walking through that book with my congregation is that Christ is to be our example. Now, First Peter chapter two. I'm going to read verses 21 through 23. He says, "For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example." that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So in Christ's suffering, we see an example. And that's what Peter the Apostle is talking about. And so, again, this refers to the time on the cross, and, and we see it in all kinds of other scriptures that Christ is listed as an example. One is Philippians chapter 2, and it says in verses 4 through 8, it says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it gives how he was the example. He says, Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that's an example for us. And that's the way Paul writes it to the church at Philippi. But then also in the book of 1 John, in chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, it says, But whoso keepeth his word, that should be us, whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Yeah, We walk as Jesus walked. When, when Jesus had to carry his cross to Calvary, we are to do the same. You know, we're not compelled by the Roman soldiers. We're compelled by the love of Christ. And so he specifically mentioned as our example. Now, listen, you'll get the liberals in the church today. They'll mention Jesus as an example, and they'll stop short of that. And, and they'll be very generic, and they'll say, well, you know, Jesus is our example of loving our neighbor. But we got to remember, Jesus Christ, he's more than just an example. He's the creator of the universe. He is God incarnate. He's the savior of the world. So there's an authority there with him being an our example that's not anywhere else. See, I have two older brothers. They were not good examples, but they were examples in my life. And there, there's not that authority there. But Jesus Christ as our example, there's an authority there that when it says walk as Jesus walked, that means something. And so Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And we learn from every aspect of Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he's the life. And so as we look at the words from the cross, we know he's going through his greatest physical agony here on earth. All right, so he's 100% God, he's 100% man. He felt pain, he, he was hit with all the temptations that we are, but as he's on the cross, he's going through a pain that none of us here can fathom. None of us. And you, you hear about human beings, when you get jostled, what's really inside them comes out. You know, so some of us, you know, say if we walk and buy an electric fence and we brush up against it, we might let out a word that's not quite right for church, right? When we get jostled, that stuff comes out. Yeah. And so for us being humans, I want us to look at Christ as he's enduring his greatest agony here on on earth. What came out from him? What came from his mouth? And so what we have to remember, 
There's no changing in Christ. Who he was on the cross is who he was in the garden is who he is at the right hand of God. And so we take that as our example in our lives. And so again, for our benefit, we're going to look at when he is jostled, so to speak, and what we can learn from that. And on the cross, we see Jesus, we see his response to rejection, we see his giving of grace, we see his showing the scripture, his trust in the Father, and we see his lordship. And we'll go through those things hopefully rather quickly or, or longly, however you want to look at it. If, if the Lord wants to be here while we may be, I don't know. But first, his response to rejection. See, Jesus was up front with his disciples, his whole ministry. They're going to hate you. Why are they going to hate you? Because they're going to hate me. He, he was despised and rejected in Isaiah 53. Verse 3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And, and so Jesus Christ was on the cross because of the rejection of the Jews, rejection of the Romans, rejection of everybody. But as he was on the cross, not only did was he suffering the rejection from all those people, he was suffering the rejection of his own Family. You know, Mary is his mother. He had brothers and sisters. Matthew 13 gives their names. And when we look at verses 27 and 28 here in John 19, or sorry, 26 and 27, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Now listen, Jesus had brothers. Jesus had sisters. And when Jesus is going through this time, where were they? They wasn't there. Now his mother was. Mary Magdalene was there. Mary the wife of Cleopas was there. But his brothers and sisters was not. And so Jesus, being the oldest son, was taking care of his mother. He was rejected by his brothers. John 1 verse 11 tells us he came into his own and his own esteemed him not or received him not. And so that means his brothers, they didn't receive him. We look at John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. He says, His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart thence, go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret. He himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. And so they're saying, Look, if this is who you are, go show them to everybody. Because it goes on to say, For neither did his brethren believe in him. And then in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, and, and this is uh, this really puts it into perspective what they thought of him. It says, when his friends heard of it, and depending on the translation, when his family heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. They said, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. And so when it come time for Jesus to die, because he said he is the son of the living God, that he is, I am that I am. They thought, we're not going to be that. I, I can't associate with this. And so his mother was there. John, the apostle that Jesus loved, and you've got to remember, John is the one who wrote that gospel, so he referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved. But he he tells him, take care of him. So in his rejection, he was giving grace to his mother. He was giving grace to John. I imagine Mary was a pleasant woman to be around. And, but now we do know that this changed after the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 says he showed himself to his brother James. All right, James 
A brother that had rejected him ended up being at the pillar of the church of Jerusalem. Paul says that in the book of Galatians. And, and so, you know, seeing a resurrected Savior can do a big change on somebody. Right? When you meet the resurrected Jesus Christ, it changes you from inside out. And so we know James, his brother, wrote the book of James, was a pillar in the church at Jerusalem. We have the book of Jude. That was also Jesus' brother. And, and, and one thing that I want to note, James and Jude both, when they write their letters and they're addressing to the people, they don't say the brother of Jesus. They say that literally the slave. That's what meeting the resurrected Christ, whether he'd been their brother or not, that's what it done for them. Uh -huh. right. And so on the cross, he made sure to make provision for his mother. She'd be carried by John in the absence, absence of his siblings. But So on that cross, he was given grace. And we see that even much more in the giving of grace on the cross. It is, we go to Luke chapter 23. And, and I, I love this passage of Scripture when referring to what happens on the cross and what he says. But in Luke 23, 33-35, it says, When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand, one on the left, then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. People had beaten him. They'd spit on him. He had lost just about every ounce of blood that he had had in his body up to that point. And while he's on the cross, even with the thief on one side, the thief on the other, and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yeah. They were lost and, they're, and blinded by their own depravity. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And that's the same sentiment that uh, Stephen has in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. As he's dying, before he dies, and they're stoning him, why? For preaching the gospel. For preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and they killed him. But he's preaching this, and he says, Father, don't lay this to their charge. And the thing is, and I always, I love Romans 5. And the reason I love Romans 5, because I know who I was and how bad I was. Now, I wasn't no barroom player, but I was pretty bad. I'd go listen to you. You do. But Romans 5, verse 8 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And so Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And so he's showing grace. And then talking about those two thieves in Luke 23, 42 and 43, says, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, this is the thief speaking, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And we know, and looking back at the previous verses, the other, the other thief, he was saying, man, if you, you the son of God, save yourself and save both of us too. But the other one said, man, don't you know, we're, we're guilty. We're wrong. We stole. We ought to be up here. He hasn't. He has done nothing wrong. He's sinless. He's spotless. He said, Lord, remember me when you go enter your kingdom. And he showed him grace. And I, I don't know how many of you listened to Alistair Begg, but Alistair Begg is a Presbyterian preacher in Ohio. He's from Scotland. 
And I just wish I could preach with a Scottish accent like he does. I just think he's so good. But he, he, he gives this narrative of what happened to this thief on the cross when he goes into heaven. And, you know, they always talk about Peter keeping the gate or whatever. So, you know, this thief walks up, which Peter wasn't dead yet, so he wasn't there at that time. So he says, what are you doing here? He says, I don't know. He said, what do you know about justification by faith? I don't know. Never heard of it. What do you know about baptism? Don't know. Never heard of it. What about church membership? I don't know. Never heard of it. Have you ever been to Sunday school? What's that? Then what are you doing here? And Alistair Begg says it, and I wish I could say it like him, but he said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Come That's great. great. Come on. Woo! And so, and what we see with Jesus Christ, remember Him, our example. And so, boy, have we received some good. You know, not only you being born again, but the fact that you're breathing. I, I tell people, are you making a conscious decision to breathe right now? You ain't telling your heart to beat. You're not telling your stomach to digest your lunch from earlier or your supper tonight if you ate an early supper. I usually eat an early supper, so I didn't deny it. I'm going to Denny's after a while. But, we, we've received this grace from God. By grace we're breathing. By grace our heart's beating. Amen. L- listen, I, I, in the line of work that I'm in, I work at a funeral home, and, and, and just to know the blood, the way it courses through your body, you don't have to tell it to do a thing. Yeah. I, I tell people, look, if I drop dead right now, you would have everything there for life, except life itself. Yeah. And that comes yeah. from the breath God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God. And while Jesus was on the cross, going through this pain, he's showing grace to this thief. He's showing grace to the people that are beating him and accusing him of wrongdoing that he did not do. And again, so as we look at him as our example, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That gift is grace. And listen, if Jesus can give grace while he's shedding his blood for us, we can give a little grace. Because we are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, then we see on the cross that he's showing us the scripture. Matthew, John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now, in Psalm 69, 21, it talks about them giving the... Uh, giving him gall with vinegar. And when he said, I thirst, verse 29, there was set a vessel full of vinegar. And they filled a sponge with vinegar, put it on hyssop, and put it to his <coughs> And so that fulfilled the scripture. Now, if you read the book of Matthew, and almost everything that Jesus Christ did, it, it will say this was done to fulfill the scriptures. And then it will refer to the scriptures. And so even as he was on the cross, when you look at what he went through during his passion and, and the, the beatings and, and the things he took beforehand and what he was doing on the cross and what he said on the cross, it points us back to Isaiah 53 quite a bit. You can't read Isaiah 53 and not see Jesus Christ. You know, in Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian eunuch, he's going on his way back home from Jerusalem, he's reading Isaiah 53 and God sends Philip out there and, and this Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading this, and he's like, who is this, who's this talking about? Is it himself or somebody else? And, and then Philip preached unto him. And so, the scripture, 
And, and so we see much of Isaiah 53 when Jesus was on the cross. And I think what when Jesus said this, and some people might agree with me, but disagree with me, but he was pointing people to Scripture. Now, in Matthew 27, verse 46, says, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that also records that in, in the book of Mark. Now, with those scriptures, and, and, and you may have heard this, and, and I, don't, I don't, uh, don't get up and walk out if you disagree with me, but I don't believe that God turned his back on Christ here. And the reason I don't is because of the nature of God in general. He's the triune God. He's one Lord. You know, when Jesus is praying in the garden, he said, I pray that they will be one as we are one. And so, it's just the character of God, the nature of God, you can't separate Christ from the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, what I what I believe here is the ultimate goal of these words. And you've got to remember, Jesus, well, he was in great travail at this point. Now, this could have been the human side being just so desperate and in despair. But we know that when he said, It's my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? That comes straight from Psalm 22 and verse 1. In Psalm 22, verse 1, and this is a psalm of David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus Christ, as he was on the cross, was pointing people to Scripture. He says... You've read this Psalm 22. You've sung it in your worship services. You've worshipped to it. I'm it. I'm who it's talking about. And so when you look at verses 7 and 8, he says, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. He's saying, Look, you're seeing these events unfold before your eyes. 15 through 18, he says, My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws that has brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them. They cast lots upon my vesture. We've already read every bit of that in the Gospels. And we see that that's talking about Jesus Christ. And then in verse 24, For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. He's talking about God the Father, not hiding his face from the afflicted. But when he cried unto him, he heard. And I'm, I'm going to say this, when, when, uh, when Jesus is pointing people to Scripture, it, basically what he's saying is the same as what he said in 421 after he stood up in the temple or in the synagogue and he, he read the... Uh, the book of Isaiah said he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And so I say this, when we we get in a bind, we get jostled, we live in this world, always, always, always point to the word. When somebody has a problem, you point them to the word. Because what's the word going to do? It's going to point them to Jesus Christ. Because listen, like I said earlier, I could stand up here and preach. You don't want to hear what Dennis Crosland has to say. You don't. But you want to hear what God has to say. You know, and, and that's what's been the, the prayers before. That God let him speak to him. And, and, and so we point people to the word. When you're having a hard time, when you feel like everybody is against you, 
go to the Word. Listen, there, there's so much, and you, you know what? You may find stuff in the Word you don't like at that time. Because you're going to realize you're the problem. But go to the Word. Submit to the Word. And so then, we also see on the cross, Jesus Christ, His trust in the Father. Again, in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. Now, this is echoed in that scripture in 1 Peter that I read earlier, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, when it says this, it says, Who then, talking about Jesus, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Listen, Jesus Christ on the cross, he was showing grace. He said, Father, forgive them. They know, what, know not what they do. But he said, Lord, I'm yours. Into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit. And listen, we can we can learn a lesson when you look at uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, if you don't know who those are, that's the Hebrew names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I like to call them by their God-given Hebrew names instead of their uh, Babylon-given names. But when when they when when Nebuchadnezzar built the statue, he said he said, when I play this music, I want you to bow down. I want you to worship this statue. They said, we ain't going to do it. He said, fine, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. He said, and they said, you know what? You might. You know, and the Lord might deliver us. Uh -huh. But then he might not. Uh -huh. But either way, we're going to trust in him. Uh -huh. He said, you might, he might not deliver us, but we will not bow down to your eyes. Uh -huh. And so, listen, when you obey the Lord, there's going to come some things come against you. But you know what you do? You trust it to God. Uh -huh. You commit yourself to him. Hey, Today is the anniversary of William Tyndale. If you don't know who he is, he was burned at the cross, or a stake, not burned at the cross, he was burned at the stake in the country of England in 1536 simply because he dared to translate the Bible from Latin into English. Okay? He was doing the Lord's work. Catholic Church didn't like it, so they burned him at the cross. But you know what he did? He trusted it to the Lord. He, he said, hey, it I, I hope every plowboy in this country can know more scripture than the Pope because they can read it in their own language. Amen. And that's the thing. When I say go to the Word, we have... This is a treasure. This is a treasure. And people don't... There's too many people that grace the doors of churches every week. They negate and neglect this to their own demise. To their own demise. Because uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon said... Uh, there's enough dust on our Bibles to write condemnation yeah. on the cover because we never read it. But when we look at how Jesus trusted himself with the Father, listen, if you follow the Lord, because the Lord said, look, they're going to despise you, they're going to hate you. If you truly follow God, there's going to be some obstacles come in your path. But what you do, you trust it to the Lord. And it's kind of what Job said, though he slay me, I will trust in Him. And, and listen, we we are we are so in love with this world and this earth. And you know, people say, well, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to go tonight. Listen, if Jesus come to me tonight, said, hey, time to go. Let's go. Ain't, ain't no, ain't no, ain't none of this. Well, I want to stick around. I want to do this. I want to do that. Nah. 
We need to be ready to go with the Lord. We're not to love this world. Listen, I've got five kids still in my house. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to see them get married. I want to see them do this and do that. But you know what? I can't want to see that overseeing Jesus. That's it. And, and, and my goal with my kids is not to see them enjoy themselves. It's to raise them in a godly home. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so whatever we do, and we may lose everything we have. I know of Christians that have suffered so much and lost everything, but they trusted to the Lord. If you follow God, just trust in Him. Now, and then the last thing that we see in, in verse 30, in John 19, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. Now, that that phrase, it is finished, is one Greek word, it is to telestai. And it's one of the most glorious Greek words. Because when, when you look at what it was used for, and it's used other places in Scripture, such as verse 28, it says, when all these things were now accomplished. Same word. But it, it was used a lot of times as a banking term. All right, So you go off and you pay a loan. And you see it on the movies. They don't do it so much anymore. If they stamp it, paid in full. Right? That's what this telestyle was in the Greek culture. And so what we have to look at, what was paid him for? Your sin day. He paid for your sin. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died in our place and his lordship is shown because he is the only one that could. Listen, my mama, I love her to death. She couldn't have died for my sins. It took the sinless, spotless lamb of God, the son of God, the I am that I am to die for me. He experienced all of God's wrath so we could experience all of God's grace. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. And when you look at that verse, I heard this preacher say it one time like this, and it was so beautiful. He said, you know what he did? Jesus Christ took all my sin, and God treated him as if he lived my life. And then he treated me as if I lived his. He gave me all the grace while Christ took all the wrath. And, and I mentioned Alistair Begg earlier. He has another quote. And it's pretty simple. I mean, I hate to say this guy said this is the only one he said it. But uh, this is where I heard it from. He said, Christ died in my place. That is the God. That's it. Christ died for my sin. And so when we look at the Lordship of Christ and what it means when, when He died for our sins, what is it that we are to do afterwards? And, and it's not just to, to sit on, on our holy, heavenly hind end and, and do nothing. Yeah, come on. You know, we're called to do something. Yeah. And so Romans 12, 1, and you know, I ought to have it memorized, and I guess I could do it if I was in a pinch, but I'm going to read it just so I don't mess it up. <laughs> I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God right, we've talked about that the mercies of God, the grace of God ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service now what that means is your whole life everything about your life is to be for Christ Jesus everything there's nothing in your life that your faith does not touch there's nothing in your life that your relationship with Jesus Christ does not touch. And, and so it, it, it's, if, if, you, if you go to the store and they give you back too much change, 
Your faith in Jesus Christ should go back and say, you know what, this is too much. Hey, listen, I've done that before. Now, it may pain you at first, but you'll feel good about it later, I promise. <laughs> but he says, holy, and listen, holy is not perfect. Okay? Holy just means set apart. Okay? That means you're set apart for God. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And depending on what translation you read, some of it, sometimes it'll say that's your spiritual worship. Listen, your obedience is your worship. You know, you don't have, now, it's great to gather here like this. Well, I, and I'm telling you, it's just been such a blessing to me. But when you walk out of these doors, you worship God in spirit and truth just simply by your obedience to Him. Amen. Right? Amen. And again, there's nothing in your life that's not touched by your relationship with God. There, there's nothing out of bounds. But when we look at Christ and we look at the cross, and see, we know, we know the cross it is the power of God. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now, if you go out into the world and you talk to somebody that's lost, they're not born again, and you talk to them about the cross, they don't understand it. Because it's foolishness to them. They cannot, the carnal man cannot understand the things of God. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 2.14. Since I'm there, I'll read it. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And I've talked to people. They say, I can't understand how God could, could kill his son. I can tell you why. Because he loves you. Amen. That's why. That's how. And, and, and the thing is, when Jesus Christ said it is finished, that sacrifice, it was accepted. He was made the propitiation for our sins. Now listen, and, and you may think propitiation is one of those big theological words that's in the King James Bible, so it's not that big of a theological word. So we need to know what it means. It means God's wrath was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what literally what it means. That he was made the propitiation for our sins. But going back to 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. To us who are saved, it is the power of God. And listen, when we look at that cross and we look at the example of Jesus Christ, listen, we're told to bear our cross. Yep. Jesus Christ said, take up your cross and follow me. And, and if, I don't know if it was last year or the year before when I was here, I preached on Luke 14. And that's where Jesus said, look, if you don't hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your homes, and your lands, you can't follow me. You can't be my disciple. So listen, I love my wife. She's number two. Alright? Jesus Christ is my number one. And, and listen, if, and if she went... If she went crazy and I had to choose between her and Christ, it'd have to be Christ. Right? I trust that's not going to happen. But listen, I've got children. I've had to choose Christ. I've got other family members. I've had to choose Christ. I, I say this all the time in, in my church. Listen, uh, my parents got divorced years ago and I lived with my dad for a time when we was close. But when I came to the Lord, we don't have the same relationship anymore because he isn't with me. I have I have a brother that I I can't say I love like a brother. He was my brother. He is my brother. He's lost. We don't have the same relationship. But when it comes down to who you're going to choose, we are to choose Christ. 
And, and again, when we preach the gospel to somebody, we don't tell them about the cost of discipleship a lot of times. We, 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 I've seen people, they say, come to Jesus, everything be okay. Now, it will be okay, but people won't misunderstand that. They think every be, everything will be uh, uh, like Lynn Anderson's song in the 70s, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Right? God didn't <laughs> promise that either. But he did say it would be all right because you will always have him. Now, you'll go through these things. Alright? They're going to come against you. They're going to hate you. But if you have Jesus, it'll still be alright. It'll always be alright. But you have to, when we look at the gospel and people don't tell people about the cost of discipleship, where he said, look, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to give some things up. We just say, come to Christ like you are. You'll be okay. No. Because when we come to Christ, he takes all that mess that you may cling to. And he changes. He gets rid of process. You know, it's there's a I, you may not have heard of them. There's just a couple guys. They're called the skip guys. Okay, they do Christian skits, and they have one. It's called God's chisel. And basically, one of them is playing himself. One of them is playing God. And he's using a hammer and a chisel on. Him. You know, and that's he's trimming the fat, so to speak. Okay. I'm not talking about this fat. I'm just talking about the spiritual fat that we don't need to have. But we're going to bear that cross. See, too many people, they want a no-cost discipleship. Jesus Christ does not offer any such thing. He said, he told his disciples, it's going to cost you everything. When he, when After his resurrection, he told them all of them going to die, except John. And, and listen, he didn't have a, he didn't have an easy time. He didn't lose his life. He didn't lose his head like Peter he, or Paul was the same way. He, you know, John didn't lose his head, but he was exiled to the island of Patmos. But listen, he had Jesus Christ. It's where he wrote the book of Revelation. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he saw all this. Amen. He, the whole book of Revelation. And listen, and we and we lose sight of the importance of the book of Revelation. I'm not talking about your eschatology or this, that, and other, but at the very first book, uh, chapter of Revelation, John writes that Jesus says, Blessed is the one who believes and keeps the words of this book. You know, there's a blessing in Revelation. Now, and I'm just going to tell you, I'll tell you the blessing in Revelation. It's, uh, He which testifieth these things say, Surely I come quickly. Right, there's going to come a time that we'll be with the Lord. Now, talk about bearing our cross, and I, I'm going to finish up here in a minute. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a theologian in Germany during World War II. He, he lost his life because he didn't submit to the Nazi party. But he had this quote, he said, The cross is laid on every Christian. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come. And see it. Paul wrote himself, he said, I died daily. And listen, we ought, to, we ought to be constantly fighting against the sin in our lives and wanting to put it to death. Listen, because every one of us has it. And, 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 and it, may, it may manifest itself in different ways. There's some things that, that works on me that, that don't work on you. When, when I truly came to Christ, I put down alcohol and I, I ain't even thought about it. But, but listen, there's other things I you know, still struggle with. Just alcohol ain't one of them now. You might have to struggle with alcohol. You know, but we still, we come to Christ and we are fighting against these things. And I always, I take, I take solace with Paul 
the apostle in the book of Romans, in chapter 7, he says, look, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. This wretched man that I am. And listen, Paul, he was a saved man, right? He knew the Lord Jesus, but he still sinned. And he still, but he struggled with it. He fought against it. And that's what we're to do. We're to fight against it because God is going to work on us. One, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and I have a lot of favorite verses in the Bible. You may hear me say that the next time I preach about four times. But Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, that goes back to what you said. Y'all are projects, right? We're all projects. Jesus Christ is working on us. You know, we're not perfect. We're not. We're completing Him, but we're not who we are yet. You know, there's there's a there's an older song called "He's Still Working on Me to Make Me What I Ought to Be." You know, and I'm not who I used to be. Thank God for that. And I'm and but I'm going to be something. I'm going to be something greater than what I am that gives more glory to Christ than what I'm able to do now. And so it, it's my prayer, it's my focus that we look at the finished work of Christ. Mm-hmm. All right, listen. So Christ, when he said it was finished, that was all the sacrifice needed to save you. Yeah. It just took the blood of a, of a sinless, spotless lamb. That was Jesus Christ. And listen, when we look at the cross and we see what he did for us, and as we read in Romans 12, verse 1, it, it's our reasonable service. It only makes sense. Mm-hmm. That we live our lives for him after he died for us. And again, he's still working on us. And so we are to be obedient. We are, we are to listen to the, the guiding of the Spirit. The Paul writes in the book of Galatians said, If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Listen, you walking and living in the Spirit, you ain't got time for this other man. Right. Right. In Philippians 4 8. And I'll close I'll I'll pray and then I'll turn it back over to Logan after this. He said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now listen, tomorrow's Saturday. I, I don't know if Arkansas plays tomorrow or not. They might, they might not. But listen, if, if they lose, see, I'm a Tennessee Volunteer fan. If they lose, I might feel bad for a little while. But you know what I have to, I, I literally have to remind myself of this. I have to think on these things that are pure and lovely. Because I, I, can't, I can't let what some raggedy football team does ruin my walk with Christ. Amen. I, and it's the same thing with anything else. You sit down and watch TV and you see all this mess on the news, you can't let that mess affect your life in Christ. You think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, any praise. And listen, we can praise in Jesus Christ's work only. And, and I found this found this quote by one preacher and, and he used to tell people when he would visit with them, he'd give them a promise of God. And he'd say, you stick that under your tongue and you suck on it like a sweet. And so we take the promises of God. Whatsoever is true, lovely, good report and praise, and we hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll always go back to me, the greatest promise that, that God has ever given. He said, I will never leave you. Amen. Lo, I'm with you always. You have that if you're born again. Amen. All right? 
And so it's my prayer that every one of you can look to the work of Christ and and, and live your life as it's affected you. You know, we all we are to bear our cross daily. And I pray that you do the same. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we just come to you again thankful and blessed. And as I turn this, I, I pray that you that everybody received a blessing from what was said. I, I know that there was a blessing in the music already, and, and Lord, it, it, it truly blessed me. But I, I pray that as I turn this service back over to Logan, whatever needs to happen, happens, Lord. If, if there needs to be conviction in somebody's heart, Lord, I pray that you place that conviction on them. If they need encouragement, if they need edification, Lord, that you give that to them. If, if they need to be reminded of the finished work of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you put that in their heart and mind. Whatever is, is true, pure, praiseworthy, of good report, Lord, I pray that you would just flood their mind, their heart, and souls with that. But Lord, we give you the praise this evening. Lord, it's, it's blessed to see these people here on a Friday night. And, and Lord, I just I thank you for your grace and mercy that you've exacted on every single one of these folks here. And Lord, I just pray that your will will continue to be done throughout the remainder of this service and the remainder of our lives when we leave here. Lord, it's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this special message. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Now, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Amen.